You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Because the heart of the problem is always the heart. The heart of the problem is always the heart. The woman whose child it was not had a hard heart. She wanted the baby for herself. And if she couldn't keep the baby, she would rather see it dead than not have any baby at all. Her heart was hard. Sin always starts in the heart. Your heart becomes hardened to the promises of God, so you make your own choices. When King Solomon faced a difficult task, he knew he needed to address the heart. Pastor Dave shares the importance of keeping the Lord's promises in your heart in today's message. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3 as he continues his message, Knowledge to Wisdom. are claiming the child of his own. That's a given. What's another given? One of them's a liar. One of them's a liar. So Solomon had to look at this group and say, okay, how do I do this? How do I judge it? It seems like an impossible problem to solve. How would you solve it? That's great. If you didn't know the rest of the story, how do you think you'd solve it? How do you think you'd solve it? What would you do? Well, we'll give them each visitation rights. We'll just, you know, divide it up that way. That's a tough, come on, that's a tough question. Let's look at Solomon's decision, which verse 23 says, And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is dead. The other says, No, but your son is dead, and my son lives. The king said to me, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. And the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor her yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is the mother. She is the mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Solomon doesn't mess around. He don't mess around with testimony. He's tired of hearing. You know, he's mine. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Wait a minute. We're going to settle this once and for all. He doesn't mess around, but he goes right to their hearts. Solomon goes right to their hearts. Why? Because the heart of the problem is always the heart. The heart of the problem is always the heart. The woman whose child it was not had a hard heart. She wanted the baby for herself. 
And if she couldn't keep the baby, she would rather see it dead than not have any baby at all. Her heart was hard. By suggesting that the baby be divided, Solomon revealed the heart of the true mother. Give her the child. Don't kill him. Give her the child. The real mother knew that if the child was given to this woman, even though it wouldn't be hers, the child would still live. The child would still live. Give her the child. Give her the child. Solomon's solution at first looked foolish, even dangerous. People, can you imagine what they're standing around the throne room and they're going, wait a minute, is he really going to cut this kid in half? Close your eyes, Melvin. Is he really going to cut this baby in half? Oh, my gosh. The wisdom of his approach was only understood after the matter was solved. After the matter of solved. Sound familiar? How many of you, I'll shit, raise my hand because I do it. I'm the first to admit. How many of you see the works of God, even the judgments of God, and God's hand upon something, and you go, oh, that can't be the answer. No way that could be the answer. And then when God works it out, you go, oh, yeah, it was God all along. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes God's way seems strange. It seems dangerous, even foolish. But time then shows that it's perfect wisdom, doesn't it? Time shows it's perfect wisdom, doesn't it? The Greeks considered the cross foolish. A stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Greeks. They considered it foolish, made no sense. After the fact, you look at it, it makes all the sense in the world. It makes all the sense in the world. So a mom's love won out. True mother would have the baby, rather have the baby given away than killed. When I, when I looked at this, once again, when I looked at this, I can't help but going back to what we prayed about at the beginning of study last week. I can't help but going back to the abortion issue. I can't help but going back to the abortion issue that is now full front of this country. It speaks about it to me. There are literally thousands of couples waiting to adopt a child. Thousands of people waiting to adopt babies who cannot, who have been through red tape after red tape, who have tried, they just can't adopt the babies. Wouldn't you think, after carrying a child for nine months, that they would want to see the child live? Live a happy life, a normal life with parents who would love it. It makes sense to me, but it's sad. It's sad. They might as well have cut the baby in two. Which, unfortunately, I don't want to go there. But why wouldn't someone explore that? as an option, as an option. There are couples out there who cry every night because they don't have a child, because they want a child so bad, and they have physical problems that they cannot conceive. It's sad that these loving parents would be able to receive a child and love it. It's sad. It's sad. So Solomon, through the godly wisdom that was given to him, 
knew that if he offered to cut the child in two, it would reveal the true mother. This is true wisdom. You don't get this kind of wisdom on your own, folks. This kind of wisdom does not come to you on your own. This is the wisdom that comes directly from God. And I'm sure some of you out there, maybe all of you out there, have had instances where you had, couldn't decide what you should do, and the wisdom of God came into your life and lifted you up and showed you exactly what to do, and it was exactly the right thing. Even when it seemed foolish at the time. It seemed extremely foolish to me and to everybody I knew at Votech for me to take a $20,000 cut and go to Wildwood. It seemed extremely foolish to everyone I talked to. B and I knew it was of God. And we would much follow, rather follow God than man. B and I knew that in our hearts. <laughs> in fact, when I first got to Wildwood, I was out talking to someone, and we were talking about me leaving tech. Why would I leave tech and come to Wow? And I said, well, I believe the Lord brought me here. And the, and the person said, divine intervention? I said, absolutely. You're crazy, and walked away. <laughs> it was foolishness to others. It was foolishness. Foolishness. God used his Solomon and his divinely Divine order. And after this decision, all of Israel feared him. All of Israel felt, wow, this guy can really judge. He's judging rightly. He's judging justly. He, he wow, he, he must be inspired by God. You look, at, look what it says. It says, all the Israel had heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. So I want to end this little study here. How do we obtain the wisdom of God? All that God deemed essential knowledge for his children is found in one place, his word. Everything God wants us to know about him, about his character, how to get to know him, how to have the forgiveness of sin, how to live a healthy and Christian life, and how to get to heaven and have eternal life is right here in these words. Everything we need to know about God is right there. Beyond that, all is God's, all truth. God has, however, revealed his truth to all humans in things that are created. You can find out about Romans 1.20. Are you there yet, Romans 1.20? God created all things. And what it says in 1.20, what, what it says in 1.20 is that they should know God through the created things. In other words, Everybody, I don't know about you, and I've said this before, and I get real redundant sometimes, and I apologize. But I said, sometimes I was, you know, when, what about the pygmies in Africa? They never heard of Jesus Christ. How are they going to get to know Jesus Christ? Well, according to Romans 1, they're going to be able to look at creation and go, wow, there must be something bigger. There must be a creator somewhere. And they get to recognize God, and then God can reveal himself to them. And he can reveal his son, Jesus Christ, to them. That's how it's supposed to work. There's a difference between earthly wisdom and the wisdom that comes from above. James talks about that. To tap into God's wisdom, we must, first of all, desire it. We all want godly wisdom. We want that godly wisdom. We should desire it, and then we should ask for it, like it says in James 1.5. And the next verse that I talked about says you have to ask in faith, believing that, number one, he's the God who gives those who are asked. He's going to say you have not because you ask not. 
And then when you ask, you ask amiss. We, we acknowledge that true wisdom comes from God and that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of wisdom. To trust in Christ and yield to the Holy Spirit is to walk in wisdom. That is walking in true wisdom of God. We've been told that we have the mind of Christ. We have his wisdom. Love God with all your heart is the greatest commandment. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, it says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has convinced, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Why? The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And then the Spirit teaches you these things. And as you get the knowledge... You apply it with the wisdom of God. You apply that knowledge with the wisdom of God. To have knowledge is to have understanding and information about something. To have wisdom is to have the ability to apply the knowledge to everyday life. It is like reading and understanding of God's Word that we obtain the knowledge. And then we meditate upon it, and that knowledge brings about wisdom. The longest chapter in the Bible is what? Psalm 119. Psalm 119. It's all about gaining understanding and wisdom from God's Word. All of it. Every one of it has to deal with God's Word. Every one of those little sections, those little alphabetical sections. Verse 97 is, Oh, how I love your law. I meditated on it all day long. 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. I will meditate in your precepts and have respect for your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word, verses 15 and 16. The word meditate is used five times in Psalm 119 and in various forms another 15 times throughout the book of Psalms. Meditation is required to fully understand and apply God's wisdom to God's word. We need that. while back, I don't even know when now. We studied the book of Joshua. And when Joshua was coming in into the land, when Joshua was coming into the land, he, right before he came into the land, he had to talk with God. Actually, he had to listen with God. God talked, he listened. I love what he says in verse 8 of Joshua 1. I love what he says. God is speaking to Joshua. He just made, appointed him head over all Israel. He's taken Moses' place because Moses died. He tells them to be strong and be good courage. I'll be with you like I was with Moses. You're going to do this and that. And then he tells this in verse 8. This book of the law, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then... There is the condition, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wheresoever you go. You hear that promise? Hear that promise in the Word of God? Meditate on it, night and day. And we read about this all the time. We read about it constantly. In the book of Philippians, when you get to chapter 4 and verse 8, Paul describes Jesus. 
Whatever things are pure, whatever things are just, whatever things are noble, whatever things are of good report, meditate on these things. And you look at these descriptors, it's Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. We meditate on those. And it says, and the peace of God will protect you. It'll come upon you and you'll have strength. So when you're going through a hard time, when things are closing in on you and the world's shattering all about you, we meditate on God's word for in it we find the hope. In it we find Jesus Christ and he is our hope. So we meditate on God's word and we read it. And that's why you're encouraged all the time to read your word, study your word, chew on it, meditate on it. Now word meditate, I'm telling you right now again, is a cow chewing its cud. Bringing it up again, chewing on it. Mm, that was a good morsel. Meditating on it. Letting it seep into you. And before you meditate on what do you do? You sit before a most holy God who's longing for you to read his word, who's longing for you to meditate on your word, and you say, Lord, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, show me your word. Fill me afresh, Lord, and let me see your word as your Holy Spirit teaches me. And you pray that, and you sit before him, and you start to read. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives you the knowledge of it so you can apply the wisdom. He shows you in his word all wonderful things. You can get up in the middle of the night, and you can open up the word of God, and maybe one word will minister to you for an hour. One word. What a fantastic time that is when you get stuck on one word, and God just ministers to you because you're in his word meditating on it. You're chewing on it, letting it seep in you. Let it seep in you. The book of Proverbs is full of wisdom. It calls for hearing. How long, you who are simple, love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent of my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts on you and I will make known you my teachings, it says in Proverbs 1. And the promise of wisdom is that those who desires God's truth can have it. You can have it. You can have it. But it requires giving up the world's foolishness. It requires giving up the world's mockery of the truth. It requires sometimes turning off that monster tube that you sit in front of that feeds you nothing but garbage day in, day out. And I know, I sit in front of it. It feeds you nothing but garbage. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. What are you taking in is what's coming out. You're taking in the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. I guarantee when you talk to somebody, the Word of God is coming out. Word of God is coming back. If you're sitting and meditating on the Word of God, if you're allowing it to come in and take over you and, and show you things, I guarantee that's what's coming out. And I guarantee that where you are studying in the Word of God, I don't care where it is, I do not care where it is in this book. When you're studying the Word of God, if you're faithful to it and reading it, you will meet somebody that day to where what you've read applies to that person's life. Amen. That's how great a God we serve. And He will prepare you for that by reading His Word. And you'll be amazed. you go, I just read about that. I just studied that in God's Word. And you'll be able to expound on it with the wisdom God has given you as you apply his word, as you apply the knowledge of his word. Wisdom. It's wonderful. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is to have an awe, respect of God, a wonder of him. It's such a wonder. 
Knowing that God loves you, knowing that God sent a son for you, knowing that you have salvation, knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to be in heaven with him forever. It's a wonder that you can't, your mind can't compute. But by faith, we accept it. By faith, we believe it. We have a reverent fear of him. A reverent fear, not a holy quaking fear that he might smack me with the wooden spoon. We see his character and we live according to it. When one is walking in the fear of the Lord, he's relying on God's wisdoms in the matters of everyday life and, and making whatever changes he needs to make so that the light of God will shine forth. In and of myself, I can't shine God's love. I can't do it. My flesh doesn't want to do it. But if I allow the Holy Spirit full access, the Holy Spirit's going to shine forth through me and he's going to touch people's hearts. And he's going to do it miraculously. That takes all the pressure off me. <laughs> so then I'm not trying to do something which becomes works. Those who have God's wisdom will show it by the way they live. Who is wise and understanding among you, it says in James 3.13. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Tap into God's wisdom. We must diligently study God's word. Read 2 Timothy 2.15. We must meditate on God's word. We must pray for wisdom. We must ask for it because he gives to us liberally his wisdom. And we must seek it with our whole hearts. And then we walk in the spirit and God allows us to know the knowledge and then to use that knowledge and apply it as wisdom. God desires to give you this wisdom to his children. If you're willing... God will give it to you. Are you willing? Is that something that you would want? I mean, I think it's something you would want. I think it's something you would want. I definitely think it's something you should have. But I'm not you. I can't accept it for you. There's another thing you have to accept for yourself. You have to pray for it. You have to ask for it. You have to seek it. It says God gives liberally. No reproach. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, you're not worthy of it. No, he gives it to you. Freely. Accept it. Move on. Let God be glorified. Let God do something wonderful in your life. He's just waiting to do something great in your life. He's sitting there, come on, ask me. Ask me. Come on. I have such wonderful things I want to do in you and through you. Ask me. He won't push himself on you. He's a gentleman. He will not force you to do anything you don't want to do. I've always said about anything in the Bible, anything at all in the Bible, if God wants you to have it, man, I want it. I want it. I'm greedy when it comes to the things of God. If he wants me to have them, I want them. I want them. So ask. What a perfect time to ask as we go into prayer. What a perfect time to get together in your little groups, and pray for wisdom. Pray for the wisdom that God wants to give you. Many of you, most of you, all of you, have great knowledge of God. You have great knowledge of God. I know you read your words. I know you study. A lot of you have better knowledge of God than I do. You have great knowledge of God. But we need to be able to use it correctly and apply it to our lives. We need that wisdom of God. We need to pray, Lord, give us that wisdom. You are Sure.
You've been learning from the book of 1 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. Have you ever found yourself in a place like King Solomon where the temptations of the world really had a grip on you? With all the gimmicks of the world, it's not surprising. It's also not surprising that you're not the only one. Many struggle with the temptation of letting worldly things lead them rather than let the things of the Lord lead. But there is hope. Just as Solomon came to recognize that all his women, wealth, and wisdom wasn't what really mattered, you too can learn that things of the world are deceiving. So rather than put your hope and faith in the things that pass away, put your hope and faith in the one who's everlasting. God is constant, he is faithful, and he will never pass away. If you missed any part of today's teachings or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you are listening, you realize that you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how He can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.